Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Hello and welcome to the Yahoo Fantasy Football Forecast. This is Matt Harmon. If you haven't figured that out yet by the sound of my voice, I am so excited uh, to talk fantasy football here at the end of May, I guess, whatever. But more importantly, I'm excited to do it with a good friend of mine, legit real life, one of my actual best friends. Happy to be joined by Marcus Grant of the NFL Network and the NFL Fantasy Football Podcast. Marcus, what's going on, dude? Not much, man. Uh, it, it's always good to talk. I say it's always good to talk to you, but like we we talk literally all the time. Um, <laughs> yeah. I mean, we have like we have our own little side Slack channel that we're always you know throwing Twitter links in and TikTok videos. Um, so I guess it's good to talk to you about like actual fantasy football stuff as opposed to the normal uh, jibber jabber we do all day. Yeah, you know, mostly what we're doing in there uh, is most group chats. It's making fun of other people, each other, uh, and <laughs> complaining about things. I feel like that's like 99% of uh, group chats. Anyways, by the way, we are officially boomers that we have like our group chat in Slack, whereas like now that I'm on Discord, uh, you know, that's like where the kids are. So I want to just tell you for the 20th time in the in our friendship, uh, you're an old man. But so am I. That's fine. Uh, anyways... <laughs> Let's get into the meat of the show here. Later on in the episode, you know, we're going to we're going to we're going to talk about some little wacky uh, topic that our producer Brett uh, came up with uh, because he's the man. He's the ideas guy. And I am just the uh, modest executor here. We'll also continue uh, my series talking about the most and least stackable offenses in the NFL. Uh, we're going to be focusing on our not really, but our L.A. Rams. <laughs> but before all that, let's jump into the news. There's not much of it. <laughs> I mean, there's mini camps and there's all that stuff. There's Zach Wilson apparently is uh, is flustered by the New York, New Jersey traffic, which uh, that's I, I would have kept. I would have kept that one to yourself, Zach. Not that it's a big deal, but I would have just kept that one uh, to yourself. Area man that, visits big me. city. That's kind of what that is. Right? <laughs> yeah, right. No kidding. <laughs> uh, I'm sure his mom will have some tweets about it that I don't care about. Uh, anyways. Big biggest news, I guess, of the day is Adam Schefter reports that Todd Gurley is working out for the Lions to add insult to injury to the DeAndre Swift truthers. Detroit already signed Jamal Williams early in free agency. And, and I have been of the opinion, Marcus, that Jamal Williams is going to be, quote, a thing. What level of a thing that is, uh, it, it varies. But uh, I saw you tweeted about this today, actually, because obviously, you know, I, I'm just scrolling the timeline for your tweets <laughs> at all times. Uh, what was your reaction to the, and the, you know, at this point, it's just simple news that Gurley, who, you know, 
know, what, by the way, what a what a fall from grace. You know, one of the best Man. running backs of recent memory is now just like oh, lucky to get a workout here in May with the damn Detroit Lions. Uh, yeah, I think my tweet was the Detroit Lions don't love DeAndre Swift as much as you do. I mean, I think it is. It's just one of those. It's one of those things where you sort of look at a team's actions, right, to tell you how they feel about a guy and everything they have done this offseason says that they don't they don't feel the same way about DeAndre Swift that fantasy folks do, right? We we want him to be this sort of all this all encompassing three down uh borderline workhorse back that we can all spend say a second or third round pick on, plug him in as our RB1 uh and just prosper. But you know they go out, you mentioned they signed Jamal Williams and I do think he's going to be a thing. I mean Anthony Lynn making the comment that he sees Williams as an A back. Now, I don't really 100% know what that means, but it does say to me that they are going to use him. I mean, let's, let's not forget, right, that all the years that, you know, there was, you know, hashtag free Aaron Jones, it's because Jamal Williams was coming in and getting the ball in Green Bay and being yeah. fairly productive with it. And I don't really see that changing. Now, add to the fact that, that they are looking at least at Todd Gurley. And, you know, I've, I've seen some responses of, well, you know, it's just a workout. A lot of guys get workouts and, you know, he, he may not get that much of a workload. But I feel like if the Lions were completely satisfied with their running back situation, they wouldn't have done this. You know, even if they don't sign Todd Gurley, the fact that they brought him in to look at him says, you know what? We feel like we need at least something else, at least another insurance piece in this backfield. Uh, and, and that says that they just aren't in love with with DeAndre Swift. I think it's similar to what the Eagles have kind of done with Miles Sanders. I mean, they like these guys, but they don't love them to the level that we want them to love them. And I think at some point, we have to kind of take the blinders off and realize that, you know, hey, maybe these guys are going to end up in some serious rotations. Yeah, and one interesting thing, too, about the whole DeAndre Swift thing is, like, you you made the comparison to Miles Sanders, and I, I think that's true. This isn't even the same group that, that drafted DeAndre Swift, you know? <laughs> like, this is a new decision-making uh, group of guys there. Obviously, the former uh, Patriots contingent was the one that drafted DeAndre Swift last year. Miles Sanders, at least, is still with the general manager that made the decision to take him in the second round. Uh, you can't say the same there uh, with Detroit and DeAndre Swift. Uh, so a couple of things here. Number one, on the Jamal Williams thing, you know how I feel about like this type of running back. Like These guys are like catnip to coaches, you know, because they're like reliable. They don't fumble. They're, you know, catch and fall receivers. They're really good in pass protection. That's why for multiple coaching staffs, Jamal Williams kept getting on the field. Like you said, with Green Bay, there was always like, even last year, last couple of years, as Aaron Jones is absolutely crushing it in fantasy, there's still folks out there who want to scratch that last bit of meat off the bone. And it was mostly because <laughs> of Jamal Williams, not even the guy that they took in the second round last year. Um, I know Dan Campbell has made comments that he sees, you know, and he comes from the New Orleans coaching tree, co- coaching tree. He sees DeAndre Swift being an Alvin Kamara type player. He's made those type of comments before. So you can go with like several different coaching comments here but last year deandre swift just 4.4 targets per game it's not as if we have this big sample of him being a great receiver and oh by the way (laughs) i mean number one how interested are we supposed to be like deandre swift is running back 16 right now in current drafts 24 overall in adp this is the supposed lead back of an (laughs) offense that is going to score like, dude, 20 to 25 touchdowns this year. Like that's well within the range of outcomes for this Detroit Lions offense right now. No, absolutely. Uh, I mean, I think if if you can 
find any upside. I guess it is sort of the the change from Matthew Stafford to Jared Goff, which will probably sort of shrink the field for this offense a little bit. I mean, the, the good yep. thing about Stafford is that, you know, you knew he was going to take his shots down the field. I mean, that was part of what made Kenny Galladay such a great thing in that offense. Now you're going to look at this offense, you know, not playing quite as vertical as it has in the past. So maybe this means some more targets for DeAndre Swift. But then again, some of those could just as easily go to Jamal Williams in that offense too. So it's funny too. You talk about him being being running back sixteen. I feel like I look at maybe the first twelve guys, right? Like the first, the top twelve running backs, and then there's a pretty significant fall off to me after that. And so, yeah. like, I, I feel like you know, if you're trying to to you know force DeAndre Swift into like the third round or something like that, I feel like that's really sort of so I would say it's, it's square pegging, right? Like it, it just. At that spot, I would probably you know go away from him and look at a wide receiver or something like that. Just because you're right, as much as we like DeAndre Swift's ability and his talent, everything about that fit just says he's not going to be super productive this year. And I do, I do think, by the way, that that is another trap that people fall into, is that you look at a guy and you're like, hey man, this guy's really good and he's got a lot of talent. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, so what? If they're not going to give him the ball or if the offense isn't going to be productive, it doesn't matter how good that guy is. And I think, I think your point about the Lions score. 20 to 25 touchdowns all year long that puts a real damper on any idea that DeAndre Swift can approach being like an RB1 in fantasy yeah um I mean great case in point of how a bad offense can drag a talented player down how about the aforementioned Todd Gurley remember Ah. when he played in the bad in the bad (laughs) you know version of the Rams offense with Jared Goff like there's a lot of connective tissue here actually with, with this whole situation so yeah I mean that can certainly happen look that range where he's going in drafts you know, the DeAndre Swift, J.K. Dobbins, Miles Sanders, Chris Carson, David Montgomery, Josh Jacobs. Those guys I feel like I'm passing up on for wide receiver at this point. Even though wide receiver's deep, I think I might want to kind of take a shot at a potential top 12 wide receiver over a guy that, you know, you're hoping just finishes as an RB2 based purely on volume. Am I, by the way, am I, am I weird that of all those guys you named, I sort of like Chris Carson the most? And I know, I, I know mean, he he's, yeah, yeah, he doesn't, he's catch, he, doesn't, he doesn't catch the number of passes. I know that some of those other guys, although early what last year, he, he caught a lot of passes early on. And then they sort of like, were like, Hey, wait a minute. That's not what we do here. But I don't know. I just, I always feel like maybe because Chris Carson always feels underrated, right? Like people are just like trying to fade him. And then like, by the end of the year, he's like RB 12 and you're like, Hey man, they're being pretty good. So maybe that's, maybe that's why I feel that way. Potentially the most explosive offense of that group, um, access to some receiving work, like you mentioned. And just, yeah, I, I think he's just a boring player. Like, oh, there's a lot of exciting guys mm-hmm. in that group. Uh, he is definitely not one of them. I also think, too, David Montgomery, like, he's a guy that I feel like we were all just ready to fade this year because, like, oh, look at the schedule of, you know, teams that he he played against last year. It's like you can make the same argument for Jonathan Taylor. We just all agree that Jonathan Taylor is, like, a better player and a more upside than a David Montgomery. But if Justin Fields is good, that means they're probably going to be a more run heavy offense. Like they're going to be a better offense. Like he's, he's not going to finish as the RB four, like he did last year, but I mean, it's like RB 20, you know, it's already priced into it. So I think I'd rather have David Montgomery than a guy like Deandre Swift too. You're probably right. Also, you know, last year, a lot of us were like, Hey, you know, go get David Montgomery. If you can get David Montgomery in a trade, get him because the, the end of season schedule is very favorable. And he took advantage of that. Right. And he balled out at the end of the year his schedule's really not that bad overall this yeah, year, yeah, yeah. at least on paper. You know, and once we play the games, things might change, but at least on paper, the schedule's not that bad this year. I think the only the only knock on Montgomery is Tariq Cohen being back, and, and Montgomery got a lot of targets late last yes. year because Co- Co- Cohen wasn't there, but with Tariq Cohen coming back, that's going to eat into some of that target share. 
Yeah, definitely. Like I said, some of that's already priced in. But uh, let's let's go on to our last uh, bit of quote news. Our guy, A.J. Brown, man, he probably is going to be like the wide receiver one overall in fantasy this year. Hot take, but I think that's within his range <laughs> of outcomes. Uh, he's definitely the number one overall uh, recruiter in the NFL right now. I mean, he's really trying to get everybody to Tennessee. Uh, he recently put up a TikTok trying to recruit Julio Jones to, to Tennessee. Julio! That's what they're going to say when you make a catch, when you make a touchdown. They don't even do that for me. Just hear me out. Just hear me out. I'm going to sell you on some things right here. Listen to me closely. I think there's a couple things I want to ask you, Marcus. You know, Brett made this point when we were you know, he was planning the podcast and I was there. <laughs> <laughs> he made the point like, number one, does A.J. Brown think Julio Jones is a free agent? Because like you can recruit him all you want, but like. They're gonna send him wherever, he, wherever, wherever they want to send him. Like that, this, this, this TikTok thing doesn't matter. I mean, maybe he should stop lobbying Julio Jones and like start lobbying Arthur Blank. Like maybe he should just go like you know stand out in front of Home Depot with a big sign like "Hey, send Julio to Tennessee" or something like that. But you're right, he's not. Uh, it's not like Julio has a decision to make. Like you know, yeah, that is weird. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> he's not a free agent. Uh, number two, are you pro or against players recruiting uh, efforts on Twitter? And other uh, social media platforms. I'm down with it. I'm fine with it. I, you know, I tend to, at the risk of getting kind of philosophical on this whole thing, like I'm pro player, right? Like I'm pro labor in this whole thing, right? And hey, man, if 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 guys want to play together and, and stuff like that and try to build like these super teams or build the best teams possible, like I'm all for it. I also say that as somebody who grew up cheering for the Warriors and was excited when like they, <laughs> when, the Hampton, when the Hamptons Five went out and like recruited Kevin Durant to show up, right? Well, like, yeah. I'm, I would be hypocritical to say that, that I'm against this sort of thing. But, yeah, I got no problem with it. I mean, you know, I, I don't know that players are necessarily better general managers than actual general managers, but I also don't know that they're worse. So, like, hey, let it happen. Yeah, I think that's – listen, I think that's totally fair. I also am just pro fun online and, like, these guys want to have fun online. <laughs> yeah, yeah, listen, like, go for it. And also, we're going to see more of this. Like I said, A.J. Brown is – I mean, dude, at this point, he's like a generation behind me, you know, like he's he's <laughs> he's a he's a youth. He is on the TikTok. Uh, I I haven't had the um, intestinal fortitude, let's put it that way, to post anything on TikTok, but I'm consuming it. I think that's kind of the millennial thing to do, you know, uh, but also not. Really, I don't know. Let's not talk TikTok. We'll be here all day. Let's move on. Let's move on. Let's just let's just move on from this. All right. So some other news. Uh, we're going to move into the next portion of the show, but this is based on a bit of a news item from earlier this week. ESPN's Don Van Natta and Seth Wickersham published a report that a certain former president attempted to bribe a sitting U.S. senator in order to sweep the Spygate investigation under the rug. All right. That's uh, we're going to we're going to leave that for you. Go read the go read the story. uh, Consume that. uh, Definitely go for that. You know, Seth Wickersham always is good for one or two heaters every single NFL offseason. So go check that story out. But for our purposes today, we're going to have a little bit of fun. We're going to try to sweep some fantasy narratives onto the rug. Well, I'm going to ask you, Marcus Grant. I've got some here. We're going to talk about some fantasy narratives you would pay to have disappear. Number one, and this is not fantasy related. We're going to okay. stay on fun here. Tom Brady is good at the internet. This is a narrative I, I want to get your thoughts on. Listen, obviously, he's, he's, he's the best at destroying every other team's uh, hopes and <laughs> dreams because basically it's like, you don't have a chance to win the Super Bowl, but every five years, unless you're the team that has Tom Brady, then you got a shot every other year. Uh, he also has been um, kind of like 
encroaching on us media jokesters who still want to be employed in five years, you know, because uh, he's out there with some memes. Like, I think uh, you're going to have to bleep this out, Brett, but like, I think he must have hired like some, you know, 22 year old Reddit poster to be his uh, <laughs> to be like his social media person. What's the deal here, Marcus? Is Tom Brady actually good at the Internet or does he just like all rich folks paid someone else to be good at it. I think Tom Brady's people are good at the internet. And so now, you know, that, that might lead us into another debate on whether or not like he gets semi credit because he hosts because he uh, hired people who are good at the internet. But I don't know. I feel like hiring good people. And I'm going to speak, you know, for, for your, for you, cause you hired me basically at the NFL, like hiring <laughs> good still. people is a point in your favor. All right, sweet. Then, uh, then I guess so. I guess he might be good at the internet. I, I you know, I, I just, in in what, twenty plus years of him being in the national spotlight, uh, you know, as an NFL quarterback, I have seen very little from Tom Brady that leads me to believe that he has this really great sense of humor. You know, I, I just don't. You know, Aaron Rodgers, like I've always thought, Aaron Rodgers was funny. I think he's sort of deadpan, but I do yeah. think he's funny. I've never seen anything about Tom Brady that makes me think, yeah, this dude's this dude's kind of like I would like to see Tom Brady host a game show. Like I've never ever yeah, thought that. No. And so like for him to come up with all these memes and these jokes, I mean the, the thing with the golf tournament, uh, you know, where he's like, you know, you know, Aaron Rodgers isn't gonna go for it. Like that that's hard. That's funny, man. But like that's pretty electric, yeah. It's pretty it's pretty good, right? Um, you know, it's like it's one of those things where I read it, I was like, damn, man, like I don't want to like Tom Brady, but that was that was pretty good. That was good. Uh, yeah, yeah. You know, and but like I've never seen anything from Brady's persona that leads him to leads me to believe he can be that guy. But he's hired people who can do that. So I guess in that respect, like good on you for vetting, you know, social media people or something. Yeah. So I'll play devil's advocate here with this one because we all know that there are people that sort of kind of don't make sense when it comes to like their Twitter persona and then their real life persona on both sides because we've (laughs) we've definitely met folks that are like absolute duds on Twitter, but then you meet them in real life and it's like, oh man, they've got a real um, personality. They've got a real, like, you know, uh, they're, they're, they're a good engaging conversation. They're, they're pretty funny. They're just not good at at Twitter. Uh, Then on the other side, you've met you, there are definitely people that are good online and then you meet them in person. It's like, this is a a real (laughs) whiff. So I don't know. Maybe he's just got a real sense of it. But I doubt it. I, t- I think we're going to pay to have that narrative disappear. <laughs> uh, I'll go with one more narrative, and then I'll ask if you have any. Number two, okay. this one I'm, I'm, I want to talk about. N- the narrative that the Saints are going to be an exciting and competitive team in 2021. The NFL, Marcus, your NFL, your employer, <laughs> the one that signs your damn checks, awarded the Saints with a league high tied for league high five primetime games this season they're currently plus 275 to win the NFC South a, a second to Tampa obviously Atlanta and Carolina you know they they could be spicy this year but I, my biggest problem is their secondary stinks that's number 1 but number 2 there is a chance this offense could just be unwatchable i'm talking about like you know that just dread and t- t- stomach churning disgust that we would get when the bears were going to be on prime time <laughs> the last few years. I think there's a chance the saints could be that like sneaky, hideous uh, prime time team this year, because obviously there's the Taysom Hill factor, but I don't like Jameis Winston. I know he's great for fantasy, but like, I'm not in on like watching Jameis Winston in primetime games with an offense that has Michael Thomas, Alvin Kamara, Adam Troutman, maybe, and nothing else. But he can see now. He got LASIK. 
He can see. It's going to be different. It's going to be better. Um, I mean, we'll see. I mean, I agree with everything you said. I still think they could be the second best team in that division for whatever it's worth. But I think the other part of it that we've seen is that uh, when it comes to scheduling, especially when it comes to scheduling primetime games, there is a muscle memory that doesn't immediately go yeah. away. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and, and you know, for the last decade plus, the Saints have been an entertaining team to watch. They have been a competitive team. And I think, you know, that at least, you know, it, it takes a while, I think, for everybody to catch up. And, and you know, hey, look, you, you might be right. They might not be a great team to watch this year. But, um, you know, we will probably be three or four primetime games deep in them before we're like, <laughs> uh, I don't want to do this not anymore. Fun. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to do this anymore. Yeah. So, you know, we might we might see that catch up in 2022. But I think for now, um, the Saints have been a draw for a long time. So the the powers that be, the, the league scheduling office and the networks, are going to continue to kind of plug them in there until we all, you know, cry out with one voice enough. Yeah, that's a fair point. Uh, I wonder, you remember how Drew Brees, like basically as a bit, you know, didn't retire until like the anniversary of the day <laughs> he signed with the Saints or whatever. Right. I wonder if like the schedule make, I mean, they got to be like, I, I don't know how this works. Even when I worked at the NFL, I'm sure you probably don't even know how this works. Nah, like, no, no, nobody knows. Like, we're definitely not that important. Uh, but like they might, I think they start like tweaking that thing, like writing it in pen or pencil before, uh, you know, like way back in January, February, like they're starting to work this whole thing out, you know, uh, maybe they were like those guys, those, those fellas, those ladies were like sweating, you know, about like, oh, man, is Brees, what if Breeze actually comes back? Like, we might want to pencil out of these prime time. So maybe this is all Drew Brees' fault. I'm fine with blaming Drew Brees for that. But focusing on the Saints a little bit, just like as a team too. I go back and forth on how I feel about about this team because, number one, like I said, I, I feel like it doesn't get talked about enough that these two teams could be dr- – like th- th- this team could be too drastically – like two separate teams basically based on who starts. And that probably matters a lot, especially for Alvin Kamara, right? Like we saw that obviously the history of rushing quarterbacks came to bear some fruit when uh, he was not getting the same target volume when Taysom Hill started. Uh, there's nothing in the receiver room basically outside of Michael Thomas, like Traquan Smith, that's not happening. Like give up the dream there. They've got a bunch of like low pedigree guys behind him. Adam Troutman, I do think is really interesting at tight end. I'm going to bring that name up again, but Michael Thomas right now going off the board is wide receiver nine about, you know, 30 ish, 30 ish overall type of range. I'm really tempted though, to draft like the hell out of Michael Thomas in that range, just because I know he gets the slant boy narrative, which I, we've talked about this objectively good nickname it is a good nickname it is it is because it no. bothers him that's how you know it's good right i mean <laughs> and literally there is like all jokes right there is at least a little bit of truth to it um you know and, yeah. and you and other people have pointed out that like yeah he kind of was slant boy but also because like it was effective like you know yeah don't knock it he was good at it and it helped with the offense it helped make him who he is so that doesn't mean that that's all he can do, but it's what they used yeah. him for because uh, it worked. But but the fact that it gets under his skin so much, um, yeah, that that makes it kind of a good nickname. <laughs> yeah, it's like a, when a certain one of our former <laughs> colleagues and uh, my current uh, colleague-ish, I guess you could call him, uh, James Coe would call me West Virginia's finest, like, and that would irritate yeah. me. That's how you know you got something there is when it irritates the person. So Although, basically me and... Michael Thomas, same person. Basically. Although, you know, although, right. Although, you know, you know, because of James, like, let's, let's, let's be honest here. It started because of his poor knowledge of geography. Yeah. A uh, misconception, a misconception right. on James part. So to spin that further, I think there could, I, I think actually like one of the reasons that it really bothers Michael Thomas 
is because he actually, you know, he's very, he's also like too online. I'm talking like, <laughs> remember when there was the other Michael Thomas in his draft? Mm-hmm. Like, I remember I would tweet about like that Michael Thomas, like, oh, pretty interesting sleeper. And then Saints Michael Thomas, before he was Saints Michael Thomas, would like like those tweets. So he's like clearly searching his own name and then looking at the wrong tweets. It's a whole thing. He's way too online is Saints Michael Thomas. But like, I actually think there's a chance that when he's online and looking this stuff up, like he really actually wants to reply, like, it's Drew Brees' fault that I'm slant boy. It's his fault. Like, cause he can't throw the ball past, you know, 10, 15 yards to let me open up that route tree. So I think there's actually a chance. It's one of the most interesting dynamics, like to, to, to follow this year, I think the Michael Thomas to Jameis Winston dynamic. I mean, it very well could be. And I mean, you talk about the the dichotomy and potential, you know, draft value and production with him and Alvin Kamara between, you know, whether or not it's Jameis Winston or Taysom Hill. I mean, I think everybody is sort of drafting these guys on the belief that it's going to be Jameis Winston that wins this job. But if, if Taysom Hill ends up being the starter, you know, who knows? Like everything could get cratered. The worst case scenario might be if they do, you know, if they have Jameis as the guy sort of between the 20s and Taysom Hill as the guy down near, down near the goal line, then everything, I think, completely falls apart. Also, by the way, super online Michael Thomas. Uh, I didn't really mean to bring up Kevin Durant for a second time, but I will. Uh, he should go the yeah, Kevin yeah. Durant route and get like a burner and just start responding to people like with a burner account and talking about like how, you know, his quarterback was the reason that he, you know, was limited to, you know, running slants all the time. I mean... I really don't think you're wrong about that. I think there, I think that's I think that's how it should go. Uh, it is worth noting. With you're right though, there's a chance this could be like a quarterback duo type of thing, and that would be probably the stone worst. But listen, some of these some of these lines that um, that Michael Thomas put up with Taysom Hill under center, nine catches, 104 yards against Atlanta. Four catches, 50 yards against Denver. Nine catches, 105 against Atlanta again. I mean, this is a bit of an Atlanta discount here. But (laughs) then eight catches on eight targets for 84 yards. Like, Michael Thomas wasn't that bad. He was probably the only guy that sort of maintained value with Taysom Hill under center. I'm sure that's because Taysom's like, I'm just throwing to this guy. I'm going to throw to this guy. That's it. Throw to your good players. You know, it's it's maybe not my – might not be the worst strategy. All right, Marcus, do you have any fantasy narratives you would pay – to disappear this could be anything player strategy a a, a twitter user you want to bury i don't care i I do it's right now and i guess i guess because it's sort of recent it's top of mind and we do this every off season right it is the player x shows a video or a photo of himself working out or or looking particularly swole um (laughs) and and everybody kind of goes nuts for it like i get that some people are sort of joking about it but i do think there's like so it's like I'm pretty sure there have been studies done where like, you know, in NASCAR, right? Like on a day, particularly on a day, for instance, if Ford wins, then sales of Ford cars like go up, like immediately following that, right? I want a similar study on when somebody posts a picture of them looking swole, does that player's ADP get an immediate bounce? And obviously I'm I'm thinking right now about, you know, Mike Davis posting a picture where smuggling watermelons in his upper thighs oh um, my god i mean right. michael uh, i mean uh mike davis dude drop the drop the leg day routine <laughs> i want to know <laughs> like seriously right but like it's also like hey these guys are professional athletes and they work out a lot um so yeah they're gonna look swole like is is mike davis looking like super buff in shorts gonna make us forget that like okay he was sort of a decent CMC fill-in last year, but you go back and look, he had like five usable weeks really in fantasy. Yeah. Other than that, he was like kind of meh, and he really faded down the stretch. Faded, so like, yep. 
suddenly now all of a sudden because like you know he's part of the the aj dylan hashtag quad squad we're gonna like hey man i'm gonna move him up a couple of rounds like no he's still the same dude he's just wearing different colored jersey that's all like so i i I want us to not get sucked into this like narrative about you know guys maybe being better you know i always do the hashtag bsohl the best shape of his life you know thing that's sort of an off-season trope like i do it as a joke like let's not let's let's stop falling let's stop falling for this trap every summer you're not a ufc guy are, are you i mean i am not no i didn't didn't did, i thought that was a safe assumption i mean i've known you for many <laughs> years now and i i would have i would have bet you would have kind uh, of picked up on that by now yeah i figured i would have i would have found out i'm not either shock that's like the last <laughs> thing I, I could possibly care about but i would pay i would pay like for saquon barkley aj dillon uh mike davis to do like a squat off i would pay to watch that i would yeah, i would yeah you know how like i don't know uh bleach reports apparently organized some kind of race between and there was a race between like all these guys like Nicole hardman mm-hmm. and justin jefferson and all that don't care i don't care who's fast <laughs> i want to see like Put the weight on the rack, squat, like who, who's got the most power in the thighs? That's what the, the quad squat. I want to see that. That's what I'm, I'm in on. Uh, on Mike Davis, that's a weird thing to say. I'm in on, <laughs> I, 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 I do think though with Mike Davis, he is interesting just because there's so, such like little competition in that backfield. But I mean, listen, the trade, uh, potential trade of Julio Jones is going to change that offense too. So I, I, I kind of agree with you on this one. Like, remember the hey, remember the Terrell Pryor video? That that was the oh, worst one. The one, man. the big catch he had, and I was yeah. like, dude, this guy's not, not, not good. Like, <laughs> yeah. He's not, not, not going to be a good receiver. By the way, if, if if Bleacher Report or anybody wants to sponsor another race between football players, I for years always wanted to see a Tom Brady v Peyton Manning v Philip Rivers race. Like, I dude. would love to see that. Rivers is busy, man. He's a well, high school he's, football coach. He's, you know, dad gummit, you know, <laughs> yeah. coaching high school football now. So, All right. Uh, I, I'll offer up another one here. And this is I actually really want to get your opinion because I'm going to pay to have this narrative um, disappear. But I'm, I'm not going to pay very much because I actually don't know if I believe this or not. Marcus, I would like I, the narrative that I'm going to pay to have disappear is that the Steelers offense is going to be bad. Let me say this when I when I when I when I say uh, as Brett pointed out to me as we were again he was playing the podcast and I was there uh, virtually uh, <laughs> I was like number one hater on the Steelers like from November and December last year yes I was like, you were this, this is an unwatchable team that it this this the dam is going to break at some point it's not good but man they've got good players around Ben uh I've been going back and reviewing Chase Claypool and Deontay Johnson those guys can play man those guys can get open at all levels uh, of the field those guys I think are two really good ascending young receivers I mean Claypool kind of on that DK Metcalf path where they mostly had him just run slants and goes uh in his first year maybe they unleash him more in his second season Deontay Johnson going into year number three after a promising overall, a promising year two. He obviously made a lot of mistakes, had a lot of drops, but like that's going to happen when you're just getting three yard slants over and over again. And you're going over the middle. I I still really like that player. Juju came back. That kind of mucks the target share up, but at least does have (laughs) some firepower uh, in, in that offense. And then they draft Najee Harris. Like, could this offense be good enough? Like if Deontay Johnson takes the next step, if Chase Claypool takes the next step, Juju is still a solid player. They drafted a tight end this year. Najee takes a step as a receiver. Does this team have enough firepower around Ben Roethlisberger 
for us to sort of say, and they're going to you know, probably change the offense a little bit now they have Matt Canada as the coordinator. Is there enough here to, to, to sort of massage one last good year out of Ben? I think so. I mean, I think if you're just talking about what's around him, yes, I think that group can sort of, you know, crib their way uh, and, and keep Ben, you know, viable enough to actually do something offensively. Uh, because, yeah, all the pieces you mentioned are all really interesting. And, and I think if we're talking fantasy here. Everybody sort of loves the pieces. There's just that moment of hesitation about like, oh, what about with Ben? And he has yeah. become, for me, what I what I've started calling like the Rorschach tests, right? Where you like you you look at a guy and people kind of see what they want out of him. And I think you know, for a lot of people, you look at Ben, you're like, man, I remember the end of that 2020 season and the elbow was terrible, and we were using the W word washed when it when it came to Ben Roethlisberger. Um, but then at the same time, you see a lot of people, admittedly, some of them being you know either Steelers fans or Steelers beat writers. Like you know, the last couple of days videos of him surfacing from OTAs, like tossing a football and like a whole lot of, it's a Christmas miracle. Like he threw the ball and his arm didn't fall off. I'm like, okay, let's, I mean, let's throw it. He's, he's soft tossing, right? With like a trainer, like let's not get too out of control with it. The thing that comes to mind immediately is is the 2015 Peyton Manning season, right? Yes. The Broncos, the Broncos win the Super Bowl, uh, but really sort of almost in spite of Peyton and not necessarily because of him. And, you know, I went back and looked, right? I go back and look. Uh, Demarius Thomas had 1,300 yards. Emmanuel Sanders had 1,100 yards. Um, I mean, it was sort of it. And those guys did a lot to sort of kind of carry him. But also remember, like, Peyton usually had only one or two good deep throws in him in the game. And he would have oh, to yeah. kind of get those out of the way early. And so you wonder, does that have an impact on a guy, say, like Chase Claypool, right? If they're going to use him continually on slants and goes, is it that he, he's he got one, maybe one good shot uh, at a big play every game? Because Ben just can't do that, uh, especially if they want him to try to throw the ball 40 times a game. That just seems insane. But I think with everything around him, this is basically a long way of saying with everything around him, I think they can keep him. If they can keep him upright, I think he can be productive. Um, but if you're looking for this to be like the Steelers offenses of a few years ago when they had Antonio Brown and Le'Veon Bell, um, you're going to be sorely disappointed. Right. I mean, the biggest the biggest question is the offensive line. You know, that yes. that is obviously the biggest question of on this team beyond Ben. Uh, what he has left is certainly in question. It's also like worth they want to be a, a smash mouth offense clearly they draft a running back in the first round to be that but they don't really have the line to do it and also Ben Roethlisberger really isn't trying to like get on the move you know like boot play action (laughs) stuff that's really not what he wants to do a lot of you know the conspiracy theorists will say that he 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 they installed that pop gun offense because he didn't want to get hit. You know, he didn't want to sit in the pocket and take the, the shot I mean, at that point. Maybe same. one year. I don't, don't want to get hit I don't want to. So. Yeah, I wouldn't want to do it either. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I get it, Ben. Um, but, like, maybe one year removed from the elbow injury, maybe he's more incentivized to, to kind of do this stuff. I don't know. I mean, listen, I was expecting him to retire. Like, he, I mean, guys, you talk about washed. He was washing his face with all those tears at the end of that playoff game. So, I mean, there is that. But I don't know. I've just thought, like, the more I've thought about it, I feel like the hive mind thinks, like, the Steelers' offense is probably going to go in the tank. The Steelers are going to go in the tank. I mean, the betting odds don't really reflect that. Uh, they do have a really tough schedule. There is that as well. But, like... I don't know, man. I like Deontay Johnson, wide receiver 25, kind of aggressive. Chase Claypool, wide receiver 30, also kind of aggressive. Like, I think there's a chance that none of these skill position players really hit every single week, but there's a chance that the offense could be better 
you know, as the better than the, the sum of its parts or whatever. Like, I, I don't know, man. I just, I don't really know how I feel about the Steelers. So uh, I can't really quite figure that one out, but I'm at least right now selling on the narrative that they're absolutely going to be bad. Um, <laughs> my last narrative, and then I'll kick it back to you to see if you have any more. Mm-hmm. Uh, narrative number four, the the Dolphins should give up on Tua or Tua is going to be bad forever. I feel like we're going to be on the same page here last year, but he only played 10 games last year, coming off an injury, like a devastating a injury. I feel the like injury, that doesn't get... The injury that ended Bo Jackson's football career. Let's keep this in mind. It was the yeah. same... Now, obviously, medicine has advanced in the decades since that happened, but it's the injury that ended Bo Jackson's football career. Let's think about that, folks. I remember people tweeting out, like, pictures of, um, you know, or, like, a, that video of him singing the damn ukulele in his hospital bed <laughs> after, and it's, like, the tone around it was, like, oh, this guy, I mean, he was going to die. <laughs> Not really, but, like, you know, he might at least, there was at least, like, man, what if he never walks again? That type of, cra- I mean, this is all this kind of crazy stuff. Uh, also, no preseason, of course, you know, uh, training camps. They're, they're mostly giving the run to Ryan Fitzpatrick, which I understood at that point, but is what it is. Um, he even said, apparently, admitted to the Miami Herald uh, yesterday that he didn't know the playbook very well in 2020. So where are you at with the Dolphins? Offense? This is another one that I can't quite figure out. I love what they did in the offseason. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know that I want to draft any of these players in, in fantasy, though, because two is still a question mark. I'm not sure the volume is going to be there for all these folks, but I'm definitely like I want to I want to pay to shut up like the absolute <laughs> no question. Tua is 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 never going to be good narrative. Yeah, no that that needs to go away. That needs to die a horrible, horrible death. I mean, the, the dude must play ten games, right? Coming off a major injury, like, hey, maybe let's give it a minute, right? Let's let let's let this guy kind of settle in and figure things out. I mean, what I, I felt like we were midway through the season, and you were already seeing the man, the the Dolphins should have just taken Justin Herbert narrative. It's like, okay, well, obviously Herbert's playing well. Let's not take anything away from him, but maybe let's let's just hold on a little bit. Um, Drastically different group of guys there. Incredibly different. I mean, as for what's around him, I'm I'm hopeful. I'm optimistic about what can be. And I'll say this. When they signed Will Fuller, I thought, well, this is sort of weird. You know, that was the one thing about Tua is that you know, people say he, he wasn't pushing the ball downfield. Although I think he actually threw deep at a, a higher rate than people want to remember or that people you know imagined. So I think there's that. But also I went back and sort of watched some of those games at Alabama. And let's remember, Tua broke onto the scene throwing a deep pass in the national championship. Yeah, game to ripping, it, Smith. ripping it down the field. Right. Yeah. I mean, to yeah. Devontae Smith, he wins a national championship. Like, that's that's how we were all introduced to Tua Tonga-Vailoa. Um, and, and, you know, the following year at Bama, like, he had no qualms, like, taking shots down the field. And so if that guy comes back, you know, having Will Fuller, having Jalen Waddle, I think those can be really nice pieces there. I also, you know, I wouldn't reach very high for them. I think they're sort of, you know, secondary players on your fantasy roster. I think similarly for Miles Gaskin, you know, as long as they don't you know, somehow bring somebody else in, I think he's sort of a, a nice kind of depth add at your running back spot. So I, I think there's reason to sort of like them. But, you know, like with anything, it sort of has to be at the right draft price for me to, to kind of get in on that. Yeah, I mean, I think the skill position group of guys like really do complement each other well. You know, they have Gasecki as tight end that I, I still really like. You split him out mostly. He plays inside. Jalen Waddle can be that speed slot player. Devontae Parker is a vertical threat, but mostly because he's only a contested catch receiver, not a guy who gets open. Will Fuller does get open. You know, Will Fuller is a guy who separates at all levels, played really well as the number one receiver for the Texans last year. Like, I, I mean, 
that's a good group of players right there. Their offensive line is young, but it is ascending. Uh, the question is mostly just on Tua right now, but I think we're both kind of buying in on that there could be more from Tua than than what we've seen so far. Absolutely. No, I'm 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 not willing to close the book on him just yet. I think there were there were mitigating circumstances. So let's let's give him a chance. That's all. All right. All right. MG, you got any more narratives you want to pay to disappear, or shall we move on to stackable offense? Uh, I got I got one, and this probably isn't gonna make me a lot of friends, but whatever. Uh <laughs> oh I, boy. <laughs> well, I mean it's not terrible, and I'm not I'm not I just feel like so I you know as as who's looking for more friends, anyways, by the way. Like whatever, man. It's just more text messages. We're not hiring for that position. We're not hiring. It's just more text messages and DMs and stuff. Eh, whatever. Um I feel like this trend in in fantasy and fantasy leagues to sort of narrow the focus of like who we are drafting. And I, I mean that in the sense of you know, hey, like, let's get rid of kickers. Let's get rid of defenses. Now this talk of, hey, let's get rid of tight ends. Let's, like, make them, you know, flexible and not have a tight Step end position. Too far. And I just feel like every time we kind of go down this road, the underlying reason for why is, well, we just can't project them. You know, like, it's there's, there's too much randomness. We just can't project them. And I'm like, so what? Uh, you know, I feel like, why should that be the mitigating circumstance for why we have a position in the game. And I honestly feel like having more randomness adds to sort of the fun. It's like with any other form of entertainment, right? Like, sure, we watch movies and TV shows, and a lot of times you can sort of predict where they're going. Those aren't as entertaining, though, as the movies where you're like, wow, I didn't didn't really see that coming. Like, those are the Mm -hmm. ones that kind of stay with you. I I think that adds sort of to the fun of it. I also think that, you know, if you are playing higher stakes, you would almost want that randomness in there. You want to play on a harder mode. Like I, I, I get if you are a beginner or a more casual player, you sort of narrow the focus. You sort of, you know, make it a little bit more predictable and, and that sort of thing. But I feel like, you know, if you want to play and add to like, you know, the 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 all Madden version, I guess, if you will, of, of fantasy, why wouldn't you include a lot more randomness? Uh, my other, my other argument in favor of this is the, the old, the old trope about the world's greatest swordsman has nothing to fear from the world's second greatest swordsman. Cause you kind of have an idea of what they're going to do. It's, it's, you know, I guess for a, a modern parlance, it's, uh, if you're great at video games, you don't want to play the button masher, right? Who's just like shooting yeah. fireballs at you and they have no idea what they're doing and you don't know what they're doing either. That's a little bit more, you know, difficult. And I just think that randomness sort of levels the playing field a little bit and it makes it more accessible for a lot more people. So I feel like if, you know, the whole idea of let's get rid of these positions because, you know, I can't accurately project them and there's too much randomness. Like, I don't know, it just feels weak and it just feels like it just is sort of limiting the the whole game that we all, profess to love that's why we do this couple things uh number one i'm 1000 percent with you look if people want to eliminate kickers and defense i say live and let live you know that's fine but there are lines okay there's some <laughs> form of justice in the world that needs to happen and I, I, i'll tell you what marcus like this whole 2020 early 2021 this pandemic bs like being locked in my, in my house if i feel like it aged me uh 10 years <laughs> not i'm supposed to be uh turning 30 i feel like i'm turning 50 because like these crybabies out there oh we gotta get tight end out of the game because it's too hard oh you like what a bunch of softies <laughs> and they hide behind this like oh it's it's just difficult to project like it's a very random position soft Soft, so what, soft, man? Like, soft. So and it just it just rewards, you know, like then go get yourself a Travis Kelsey, right? Go, go out right. and get go, yourself you don't want it. a George Kittle. Like, like you know, don't don't take that worry off your plate. Then, if that's if that's what your concern is, you pay for life. 
life is about costs. We live in a capitalist society, damn it. You want to say, <laughs> sorry to go that way, but that's the way it is. Listen, you want to pay for, you want convenience, you got to pay for it. You want to fly in a comfortable setting, you go pay for first class. Oh, you can't afford first class? Well, then get your ass back in coach <laughs> with the rest of us and squish together. And if you end up in the seat next to, Two big stinking folks who forgot to put on deodorant that morning. You're flying for six hours. So be it. it that you should have paid up for first class. And listen, if so, that that's the way it goes. You want the convenience of a of a of a strong tight end. You better pay up for it in your fantasy drafts. And last thing, also, this is a much more like um, actual football take, and not a I don't know what who I just became there. I, listen, actually, that's who I. That, sorry to say, folks, what I just said there. That's who I am. Uh, no, the, the mask is off. Uh, the, the the football take about it though is like things change too. Right, like I, I was. JJ Zacharyson was talking about this the other day and like he is the late round quarterback guy, but even he has said it on his podcast recently that like rushing quarterbacks are now like these guys who, who aren't just rushers too. Like we're talking about like Lamar Jackson that is a rusher, but also is an efficient producer as a quarterback, despite the goofballs who think he can't throw, you know, the Josh Allens, you know, um, Patrick Mahomes being a rushing threat and also being the best, you know, quarterback on the planet. Like those guys are actually providing, Again, if per at late round QB, the guy himself, those guys are actually providing a positional edge. And like three years ago, we were all basically saying like quarterback draft, draft him late. They're all the same. Doesn't matter. Like Derek Carr, Aaron Rodgers. What's the big difference between the two of them? Like, you know what I mean? <laughs> right, so right. things change like three years from now. Maybe we've got a bunch of good tight ends. I tend to doubt it, but it's possible. Well, it's a, it's two things on that one. I that leads me to my my quarterback scoring needs to change rant, which I won't bore you with here. I did. Do, I did it on my own podcast a couple of weeks ago, but to kind of, you know, keep the circle going or to complete the circle a little bit. Uh, our pal, Michael F. Florio actually made the point that like, you know, right now we're sort of like drafting quarterbacks a little bit earlier because the rushing guys get you that positional edge. But you can imagine probably a few years from now, as more and more quarterbacks come in the league who have that rushing ability, there's going to be less positional edge. We're probably going to go yeah. back to drafting quarterbacks late again when like they're, when they're like 15 guys who can get you like 500 rushing yards. You're like, well, there's no point of me drafting somebody early when I can get one late. Nah, yeah, that's a, that is a good point. Well, everybody go check out the NFL uh, Fantasy Football Podcast uh, so you can hear that uh, rant. Let's let's move on to our last topic here. Uh, Marcus, I'm writing a series for Yahoo Sports, the, the website, uh, on the best offenses to stack in best ball leagues. I talked about this on last podcast with uh, Dalton Del Don, like why you want to stack teams in best ball, yada, yada. I want to focus on the Rams with you, uh, obviously, because, uh, you know, you guys are basically going to be roommates here soon with uh, the <laughs> LA Rams. <laughs> That's not really why. It's because you're you're a smart uh, football evaluator. So the Rams offense, obviously, they bring in Matthew Stafford. Where are you at with the whole Matthew Stafford experience? Because this is an offense that you can definitely stack up in best ball formats, and I actually think could have a good a good bit of upside. Absolutely. No, I'm I'm intrigued by by what it could be there. Right. Um. You know, I I still believe that Matthew Stafford has quite a bit left to offer. Uh, and I think just because of what we saw, I feel like we, we saw what the Rams offense can be, right? I mean, when they really had it going, even with Jared Goff, right? When they got to the Super Bowl and they, they really had that thing turned up, we saw what it could be. And then you compare that to the last couple of years where Sean McVay sort of had to take the training wheels off of Jared Goff and that offense, as I mentioned with the Lions, the field sort of shrunk because Goff became more of a check down guy. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, you know, he's just like kind of toppled over. And so, you know, the field really shrunk. And so, you you know, 
credit credit Cooper Cup and Robert Woods for sort of making the most of it. Those guys became sort of yards after the catch mavens and and Sean McVay found a way to scheme up jet sweeps and just ways to get the ball in their hands and, and get them in space. I don't think you'll have to try quite as hard to scheme those sort of opportunities for those guys. Now with Matthew Stafford there, you know, the thing I mentioned earlier, he is going to push the ball down the field. And so that's going to help, obviously, the wide receivers. Uh, I think it helps Cam Akers too, because suddenly you see the defense back up off the line of scrimmage a little bit more and maybe give him some more room. To look. I, I know folks would love Cam Akers this year. I get it. I, I'm sort of on board with that too. So I, I do think that the, the Matthew Stafford tide sort of raises all the boats in that offense. And I do think they're going to be imminently stackable in, in best ball, probably in, in you know, regular season long formats or you know, redraft formats as well. I just think that uh, this is a big, big boost to the offense and maybe it gets it back closer to what we saw from the Rams uh, the year they went to the Super Bowl. So, yeah, so one thing with the Stafford, uh, when they when they made that trade, Les Need, Sean McVay, they basically talked about exactly what you said, was the reason is they wanted to unlock more areas on the field, be able to attack the entire field instead of just the box that Jared Goff could operate short over the middle. And that actually leads me to a point, too, is like when you go back and watch this Rams team from last year, like, you know, we talk a lot about how teams started to figure out the Seahawks because by playing two high safeties or whatever. Well, teams really knew how to figure out this Rams offense, which is like, you have two middle-of-the-field receivers. Robert Woods, especially Cooper Cup, those are over-the-middle guys. Jared Goff's only throwing to this range. Let's just crowd that middle of the field. There's really nothing they're going to do deep outside the numbers. Like, let's crowd that up. I think it really opens things up for players like Cooper Cup or Robert Woods. But between the two guys, so say you take Matthew Stafford. And by the way, like, you can easily, like, Matthew Stafford is not one of these rushing quarterbacks with much upside. <laughs> There's some excitement about him as, like, QB 11. He's going top 12 among quarterbacks, whatever. But... Say you have him earmarked because you want to stack. You you want to go for him at some point during your draft, but which guy would you prefer to stack him with? Because you're probably going to have to make a choice here. Similar like we talked about Dallas last week. Like you've got to probably make a choice between Amari Cooper and CeeDee Lamb. Robert Woods is like, you know, 45th overall. Cooper Cup is 52nd overall. Again, unless you've got like a pick on the turn, you're probably not getting both. If you had to pick one or the other, which one are you going with? I, I want to go with Robert Woods and not, not just because I'm being a USC homer. Uh, maybe maybe a little bit because I'm being a USC homer, but also I I do feel like he is the more versatile of the two, um, you know. And as you know this, that, that Cup is not maybe was not as good working outside as he was kind of working as an inside receiver, and so I think that certainly helps. And at least in past years, I loved the fact that you you kind of got some rushing upside with Robert Woods. I don't know if that's yeah. going to be the same. You know, now that they have Tutu Atwell, if they're going to kind of use him a little bit more in that role or not. Um, but that was always a thing that I sort of liked about Robert Woods was knowing that you could get a couple of carries and maybe he would you know, take an end around or something like that and, and find his way into the end zone there or at least get you some extra yards. But I just I still believe that he is maybe the more versatile of the two wide receivers there. And that, that's the guy that I would target. Yeah, I think I kind of go the other way. And I've never been a big Cooper Cup guy, but because of, like I mentioned, that middle of the field being more vacated. I think he's going to eat there. Um, and I think he's going to go back more into that position that he played like 2018, 2019, when he was a pure slot guy and used, McVay used him in all these very creative, like basically having him play like a tight end type of role there. I think they, that that could be just juicy for him uh, because I think they're going to be playing more 11 personnel. But on that note, hit, quick hitters here. Tyler Higby, tight end nine. Is he like not the perfect, post-hype sleeper 
you know, not sleeper, but whatever. Like there was so much hype on him last year. It was pretty obvious he was not going to repeat the numbers that he did there. But like Gerald Everett's gone. I think they're like I said, they're probably going to go back to more 11 personnel. Are you in on Tyler Higby as like the guy to get after the, you know, you know, the the, the great the good tight ends up top? So my my strategy for tight ends generally is one of two things. Either it's uh, you know pay up early and get you know one of those big three, or then I just tend to like wait till the end of drafts and maybe get like an upside guy. So like you know I I love a you mentioned Troutman. I love a Dawson Knox. I love a Cole Komet. So it's like those guys in the middle. What I draft so to bring in. it back to the bring it back to the airline uh, mm-hmm. analogy. You're either paying for first class or you're flying Spirit or Airlines. I'm, like, or I'm staring <laughs> literally in the like the back of the plane. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> That's it. Like draft those guys sort of in the middle. And look, I know that I'm guilty of like being on the clock and sort of panicking and being like, ah, Mike Gesicki. Right. And so then I just feel bad yeah, about yeah, it. Yeah. So for that reason, I, I probably am out on Tyler Higby. I love that you have the uh, self-awareness to admit that because I, I 100% do the same thing. But I <laughs> um, all right. Another quick hitter here. So I talk about it, this 11 personnel thing. Again, you you get you get uh, one of the two top receivers up top. You grab Stafford. Easily can grab Higby as tight end nine, but you want to throw that late round dart throw at the potential wide receiver three. You're probably looking at Deshaun Jackson, Van Jefferson, Tutu Atwell. Um, I was listening to Jordan Rodrigue the other day, a source I really trust with the Rams, and she was saying like Van Jefferson is the guy, which is probably not what people are expecting right now. Do you have a preference out of those three for the um the 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 top receiver or the, the uh, you know the best third receiver. Uh you know I I didn't hear Jordan say that but I was still going to lean toward Van Jefferson anyway. Uh nice. that just sort of validates what I was thinking in the first place. I mean uh you know I think Deshaun Jackson is sort of a fun story right. He gets to come back home presumably to end his career in Los Angeles. So that's cool. Um you know Tutu Atwell, I don't know. I feel like he's sort of a gadget guy a little bit. I think Jefferson really does uh kind of fit Kind of into that Josh Reynolds mold. Now that Reynolds is is in Tennessee, I think Van Jefferson's sort of the next guy to step up and be more of a consistent producer. So he's the one I would I would take. I need to go. I mean, not a lot to look at, but I probably need to go back and look at his rookie year uh, because just you know th- these guys are like basically free in drafts. Like you hey can man, take I any mean, one of those on Hard Knocks. Like you know they showed him like beating Jalen Ramsey, right? So like that's got to count yeah. for something, right? That's got to count for something. All right, so Cam <laughs> Akers, just on him real quick before we get out of here. These, uh, this is kind of the running back ADP that I'm looking at if I know how to click my source here. So he is running back eight. We're in at that, right? I'm, I'm in yeah, on that. I'm in at that. I kind of think, what, the, what are the chances that he's better than Jonathan Taylor this year? I mean, it could be. I, I'm not banking on it. And maybe, maybe I have like, you know, succumbed to groupthink a little bit. I, I do think, I think the way things have shaken out though, he really could be like the number two back in that class, right? I mean, we were all big on yeah. DeAndre Swift mm-hmm. and, and Clyde Edwards-Alaire. Um, but, you know, it, it might be that Cam Akers ends up, you know, when it's all said and done, being the, the second best back in that draft class. Yeah, I mean, he's in a juicy spot. I, I love the situation that he's in. I feel like if I get a late first-round pick, I'm really, really crossing my fingers that Cam Akers makes it there, and then well, I'll just figure it out in round two. All right, Marcus, this was awesome. We paid off uh some folks to 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 erase some narratives questionable moral <laughs> situation for us there uh you ranted about quarterback scoring i talked about capitalism and tight ends we've said it all we've done it all um hopefully we, neither one of us gets any talking to's after this one but Marcus, 
where can the people find you and what would you like to plug for our dear listeners? Uh, well, you can find me on Twitter at Marcus G, M-A-R-C-A-S-G. My parents have doomed me to a lifetime of misspelled mail. It's great. Um, <laughs> but you can, uh, you know, the NFL Fantasy Football Podcast, uh, wherever you find, find podcasts or even not so fine podcasts, you can find that uh, in all those normal places. Uh, also, I, I guess I should plug our YouTube channel. I have been told by the powers that beat it to talk about that more. So youtube.com slash NFL fantasy football. In fact, I just put up today a uh, a video about five guys, five wide receivers who could finish as the wide receiver one. And you will be happy to know that uh, Mr. AJ Brown is in that list right there. So there you go. Well, Shout out to you for getting that <laughs> correct. Shout out to literally every, see, seemingly, and I'm myself included here, seemingly every fantasy football person wanting to uh, make a YouTube channel, like probably three years too late. Shout oh, out yeah. to all of us for that. And shout out to you, Marcus, for joining us on the show. Again, that is Marcus with an A. If you misspell it, especially if you misspell it when you tag him in a tweet, you are the worst kind of person. <laughs> While you are figuring out how to spell Marcus's name, we have plenty of other podcasts for you to uh, insert into your brain. If you're looking for college football talk, follow the Yahoo Sports College podcast with Dan Wetzel, Pete Thamel, and our friend Pat Forty from SI. You should also be listening to Post It Up with Chris Haynes for more in-depth conversation from the world of the NBA. There's playoffs uh, and other questionable things going on uh, in the NBA, but we'll let Chris handle all that and I'll get the hell out of the way. I'm at Matt Harmon underscore BYB. He's at Marcus G with an A, people. Check us out on Twitter at Yahoo Fantasy. We are out. Look around. You can find cars like these on Auto Trader, like that car riding your tail. Or if you're tailgating right now, all those cars doubling as kitchens and living rooms are on Auto Trader too. Are you working out and listening to this ad at the same time? Well, multitasking pro, cars like the ones in the gym parking lot are for sale on Auto Trader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on Auto Trader. Just you wait. Auto Trader.